Hello, people, and welcome. My name is Randy from Complete Pharma. The topic we are going to be discussing today is the effects of food on our bodies and how what we eat affects our bodies. Today, we are joined by Soteria Abayintimadu and then Somi Ingbene. Soteria, I'm going to start with you. Kindly introduce yourself to the people listening. Okay, so I'm Soteria Abayintimadu. I'm a certified nutritionist and I am also the lead nutritionist and I own um, an online nutrition and wellness firm called We Goes With Abba. Oh, that's interesting and nice to know. So, um, Somi, can you do us the honors as well? Okay, uh, my name is Somi Igbene. I'm a registered nutritionist here in the UK. Um, I own a wellness company called Omis Nutrition. And my job here is to basically educate women how to eat a healthy, balanced diet that is personalized to their unique needs and food preferences to allow them uh, maintain a healthy weight, balance their hormones, reverse inflammatory conditions, um, and also m- maintain a general well-being and also reverse the dieting cycle if that's something they have been doing in the past. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I'd like to read more about it. So before we go on, for me, growing up as an individual, whenever I had nutrition, I never paid attention. I mean, no offense, but whenever I I was watching TV or I was on radio and say, oh, we are going to have a nutritionist join us. I will switch the channel. That's me being honest. I just felt like, oh, I don't really need to hear anything from them. I don't think I'm going to benefit anything from them until the unfortunate thing happened. The unfortunate thing was my step-grandmother dying of cancer. And then mm-hmm. eventually you're realizing have eating habits or essentially yeah, the type of nutrition that she was engaged in. So that was when I got the call. Not spiritual, I mean, I mean, sure. That was when I feel like I need to watch yeah. what I need to eat as I eat. In. Well, but my parents didn't care. They felt like I was bothering myself, I was worrying myself. And they were even thinking that my step-grandmother died because of some spiritual means. There are certain school of thoughts who view certain nutritional direction as, oh, please, you're tired of this. We don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear that. And then for me, as an example, that's a background before we actually dive in to speak about this. So for you, Soteria, what's your general, what's your general thought on the topic? Yes. Yeah. So today's topic is the effects of food on our bodies. And um, what I'm going to say is we were made to eat, as in our bodies were made to eat. And what do we eat as human beings? What do we eat as organisms, if I'm being a little bit more scientific, what do we eat? We eat food, anything that we put into our mouths that gives us something at the end, we call it food. So we were made to eat, but not solely for the purposes of enjoyment and pleasure. The main reason why we were made to eat is for our health. So everything that we put into our mouth or anything that we consume as food has an effect on our body more than we would ever, ever, ever know. Things that we think this isn't much. I'm just taking it. I'm just licking this. I'm just um, biting this. I'm just chewing this. Sometimes it even goes to the extent of I'm just sniffing this. Every single thing has an effect on our bodies from the way we behave to the amount of hours we sleep to um, our mood to so many things. Food practically controls 
almost everything that we do. And I was glad when I saw the topic because I don't think just Somi and I can emphasize how important food is to our bodies. Like, I don't know how, how much work we as health people in food, nutritionists, dietitians, food scientists, I don't know how much more work we need to do, but we all need to understand that food affects every single thing that we do, whether positively or negatively. That's an interesting submission. Somi? Yes. Um, yeah. So in terms of, of the, the topic, how food affects our health, I think, yeah, basic and fundamental part of our lives. Um, it provides our bodies with all the information we need in terms of the vitamins, the minerals, the phytochemicals and, you know, all those important antioxidants that it needs to function properly. If we can provide this information um, through the correct um, food, then we will end up being healthy we we won't develop diseases well as long as other metrics of our lives are on par because food is an important component but we all know that food is not the only thing that can um, protect us from diseases it, it has to be your whole lifestyle so you, your activity levels your sleep your mental health your relationships all those things you know, play a role, but food is one of the most fundamental um, aspects of it because food gives our bodies information. If we give, if we give us our bodies the wrong information in, in terms of junk food and processed foods, then our bodies are not going to function in the proper way that they should. But if the food is is adequate, then you know your body is it's going to your, your body is going to take all of that information in properly. Your genes are going to function properly. The things that need to be turned on will be turned on, and the things that need to be turned off will be turned off and then you know we um stay healthy so food is is definitely a very important part of of life it's very an important um part of making sure that we stay healthy and it has a great impact on our health great so staying on you somi yeah do you think food impacts health I, I definitely think that um, food impacts our health. Like I said, if we're eating the right sorts of foods, um, we're going to be giving our bodies the right information it needs in the form of vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals and antioxidants to function properly. But if we provide this information through inadequate food, our body will our, our bodily processes will be compromised, and then our health declines. And that could be in various forms, whether that's us becoming overweight, underweight, or developing chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, or cancer, like you rightly mentioned, as well as other autoimmune um, conditions. So, you know, food is just, it, it totally goes beyond calories, good food or bad food, but it's more about what kind of information do you want to give your body? And, and that's why food is so important. So if you're giving it whole foods, you know, the vegetables, the fruits, the whole carbohydrates, uh, lean, well, not lean meats, um, as long as it's not processed, you're going to be giving your body the right signals that it needs to stay healthy. But if you go ahead and give it heavily processed foods, um, you know, um, unhealthy things, junk foods, then you're going to be sending it the wrong information. And, and so in, in we, we see it these days with the large um large incidence of things like type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and all sorts of diseases. And we all know that that's because healthy habits or uh, eating habits have generally changed. So it's it's now obvious more than it was before that the food definitely impacts our health. So 100% yes, food has a great impact on health. When you're talking, there were certain underlying terms, junk food, unhealthy food, 
highly processed food. I have friends who finish their masters. And when I talk to them and I say, you know the food you're eating is very highly processed. They say, what is a highly processed food? Then they go to Google. In simple terms, can you explain to our listeners what junk and healthy food or what a highly processed food is? Okay. If, if I just keep it to highly processed foods. So highly processed foods are anything that has been made in a manufacturing plant, anything that has not grown out of the ground as it should be. So anything that is not yams, there is not plantain, there is not cassava, um, there is not oranges, uh, apples, whatever kind of fruits or vegetables you can think about, or there is not meat that you can actually get from a, a, a cow or, or chicken, anything that's not whole, that doesn't occur naturally is processed. Now, in some instances, processed foods can be beneficial if they because they can provide people with vitamins and minerals that they might not otherwise be able to get, okay? But when it comes down to eating getting foods in its whole form is the best way because there's so many vitamins minerals not even vitamins and minerals let's talk about phytochemicals or phytonutrients there's so many other good things in um, natural foods that scientists haven't even discovered that we know contributes to good health that you can never replicate in foods that you make in a manufacturing plant so you want to avoid all those things you know everything that is not whole you you want to stay away from those things it's not that you can't can't eat them at all. You can, but in very small quantities. Also, in in terms of processed food, we worry about snacks, like things that have been heavily fried in oils. Um, you know, I know that you're 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 from Ghana, so I don't I don't know whether you know the exact same snacks, but in Nigeria we have things like dala, you know, all the things that you could roadside um uh snacks, um yeah. things that are heavily yeah, fried. Yeah, yeah. An example is like Kelly Willy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An example is killing. Oh, right. Okay. So all those okay. So all those sorts of foods, they're part of the tradition, right? Because you enjoy them, but not you, you don't want to make them the main part of your diet. It can be something that you have occasionally just so that you can still socialize with your friends and your family, but it can't be the thing that you eat every single day, you know, as part of your whole diet. No. So so processed foods, um, to put it simply, is is everything that is not necessarily grown, that that, that, that doesn't come out of the ground or doesn't exist in nature naturally um everything that is not that is most likely processed great so um so Tara, we didn't leave you alone yes. so coming back to you um so me has spoken a lot we've kind of elaborated the essence of why people should have come with this into this and then so me has given a broad and then a very detailed understanding of our highly processed fruits are and then she spoke about whole grains and some of the like the opposite part of the highly processed food. I want you to expand on that. And you essentially outline the actual food which you would recommend as nutritionists, you would recommend for people to eat. Yeah, before I even answer your question, yes. um, you asked Somi um, how does food impact the health, how, yes. our health, yes. right? Yes. And she said a lot about processed foods and highly processed foods, which are actually yeah. two different things. Some foods are processed, but they are not highly processed. Very She's true. talking about whole grains and all of that. But I want to touch on something that I think we don't talk about enough. Um, and we are recording this podcast in May. So I made up my mind that any time I talk about nutrition this month, I'm going to link it to mental health because Great. May is mental health. And when we talk about health, we tend to think about just our physical health. But our mental health is a very, very, very big part of our well-being. And the food that we eat, more than we would ever know, 
as I'm going to put it again, affect our mental health. So when we eat, we get different things from what we eat. So we get antioxidants, we get nutrients. When it comes to nutrients, we break it down to micronutrients, macronutrients, where for the micros, you have your vitamins, your minerals, for the macros, you have your protein, your carbs, your fats and whatnot. So I'm just going to take one macronutrient and one micronutrient and how that affects our mental health. So when we take a macronutrient like protein, you know, when we say you're not eating enough protein, automatically what people think is, oh, you're not eating enough protein, so you're not going to build muscle or you're not going to grow because that is what we know. And that is 100% true. But what we also don't know that I want us to start understanding and coming to the realization is when you don't eat enough protein, aside from not growing as you should, it's going to affect your mental health because proteins are amino acids. And amino acids, let me get a bit technical here. Amino acids are converted we are all here into for that. neuro... <laughs> you can get as technical as you want. <laughs> <laughs> amino acids are converted into neurotransmitters. And what neurotransmitters do is they sort of work... Um, there are transmitters in our brain, neuro has to do with the brain and transmitters, as we know, things that send signals here and there. So what they have, what they do for us is they alleviate um, certain symptoms of depression and some other mental um, symptoms that we might go through. When you take an amino acid like tryptophan, it converts to um, serotonin. And sometimes even other amino acids can convert into other um, chemical messengers like dopamine and others. And what these chemical messengers do is they regulate your mood, your emotions, your appetite, how you even digest food, how long you sleep for. Do you sleep continuously? Do you wake up every one hour to stare at your ceiling and check what time it is? All of these things are regulated by chemical messengers. And these messengers work because you have certain amino acids. So if you are not eating enough protein, aside from what we usually know, which is you will not grow properly, you, you look skinny, you look lanky, I want us to start seeing beyond that. And when you take... Um, another micronutrient, because I said I was going to take one macronutrient and one micronutrient. Okay. And when you take a micronutrient like magnesium, you know, if you don't have enough magnesium, it starts to affect your brain chemistry, your nerves, your neurons, and all of that, your nerves signaling to the brain starts to get affected. So you ask yourself, okay, um, why am I like forgetting things so easily? Why is it that my hands are shaking so much today? I'm so stressed and all of that. And it might be beyond that, but it can also be because you're not eating enough magnesium. You're not eating enough whole grains. You're not eating enough seeds. And I was talking to somebody and I was telling the person, you don't eat enough seeds. And the person was looking at me like, Abba, how can you eat seeds? So Terry, we don't eat seeds, we grow seeds. And I was thinking, <laughs> okay, 
okay, yeah, we grow seeds, you are right, but we eat seeds as well. If you plant the seed in the ground, then it's able to germinate and give you a whole, like a whole tree. Can you imagine how nutrients packed that seed is? Like you're giving your body literally a child, like look at it like this. If That's you very plant true. that seed, it gives a whole plant, right? Yes. And you're eating that. So you're you're getting you're getting a lot of nutrients from it. So maybe you're not eating enough seeds, you're not eating enough whole grains, you're not eating enough greens, um, you don't eat enough contumery, you don't eat enough spinach, um, cauliflower, broccoli. You you go out and someone is eating and they are picking the greens out of their plate. And I'm like, why are you doing I used that? to do that. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody, somebody will look at green food and say, ew, yucky. And I'm looking at you like, girl, boy. You I know. <laughs> yeah, so this is just something I just wanted us to touch on because Sonia said everything we need to know in regards to our physical health and food. But I want us to also look a step further because our food impacts our mental health a lot. That's very true. Very true. So I'm not going to ask you the question I asked you before because you kind of boiled everything together and given it to us as a whole. How do you think we can avoid unhealthy foods that we grow addicted to? And I think this would mostly go to the point of the highly processed foods. Most often people okay. grow addicted to, for me, I can give you an example of when I was really addicted to, um, I think, salt-coated grilled peanuts. But the peanuts tasted mm. a lot more different than the regular peanuts. Until I read, I read the chemicals that were made with it, and I was like, whoa. Like I was, I, and I, I was taking it every single day. So the salt is going to give me easy fat. Yes, I was taking it quite a lot during the week. So once I realized, I stopped it. But it was very difficult for me to stop. It was more of a conscious effort. But I'm not sure every single person has that strong will to actually go ahead and do what maybe I did. So how do people like that avoid unhealthy foods that they've grown addicted to? Okay, so I always tell people that come to me or people I have conversations with that I will not be that nutritionist that tells you do not eat this because the human body and the human mind is such that as I'm telling you not to eat that, you want to eat what I am telling you not to eat. So I'm telling you, do not eat. <laughs> I'm telling you, do not eat this. You're like, okay, Abba. But you are sitting in your car and you see some Kiliwili seller or some plantain chips and it looks so, and you're like, oh. Just yeah, it's driving you to just come for it. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> So I think one way you can um, work around things that you've grown addicted to or things that you've eaten in a very, you've eaten over a period of time and it's difficult to stop is the very first step is reduce the consistency with which you eat it. If you eat salt-coated peanuts every single day, tell yourself, I'm going to eat it maybe twice or three times a week that is the first step because it is very 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 difficult to tell yourself that i will not eat it at all you might be able to do it for the first few days but as time goes on you start to crave it so much and you tend to go back to your old habits and sometimes you even 
worse in it than you started wherever you were. So what I tell clients and what I tell people is, okay, you're addicted to, I'm still using your example, you're addicted to salt-coated peanuts. You're trying to stop. If I tell you to stop at a goal, you might be able to stop in the beginning, but you might fall off. So let's limit it to two or three times a week. And the two or three times a week, we are not even eating it for just eating it sick, as in you just see it, then you take it. No, no, no. We're going to use it for something like treats. So you love something, you desire it so much, right? But you've had a long week or you are done with maybe a paper or you had a very good day at work that day. You can treat yourself with that quotes unquote, unhealthy food thing that you've grown accustomed to for a very long time. Because to just stop will be difficult. But we don't want you to also just be eating it as and when you feel like. So you can eat it when you want, but it's advisable, or I would encourage you to try and use that as a treat day or something to treat yourself. And the interesting thing is, you not always want to treat yourself because life is not a straight road. Life is a care. So you're not always going to have high days to want to go to your luxury or your treat snack and eat. As time goes on, you realize that, oh, I'm going to touch this. No, I'm saving this for when this happens, right? And you know, as human beings, we are such that when you delay something you desire so much and you finally get it, you savor it. So instead of just eating what is unhealthy as and when you see it and everything, you reserve it for days when you are really having highs or days when you are really having lows. After you're able to do that for a period of time, you realize that, okay, I don't eat this as much as I should, even though I haven't stopped completely, but you've finally, or you're able to condition yourself that, okay, this isn't so good for me. I eat it maybe once a week or once every other week. Then as time goes on, you're able to gradually drop it. But it's very, very difficult to drop a habit forever, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, people are able to stop for a period of time, sometimes really long period of times, but something triggers it. Somebody hasn't touched a bottle of alcohol in 20 years and they lose their mom. They go back. And what I always tell people is you should never beat yourself up or feel so guilty for falling off the wagon. Yes, it's unhealthy. Yes, it's highly processed. Yes, it's not good for your kidney or your liver. Yes, you've eaten it. The guilt you are feeling is not going to take away the fact that you've done it. What you should be able to do is tell yourself that I ate this bar of um, highly processed whatever because I was feeling this type of way but I'm not going to eat it tomorrow again because tomorrow I'm going to find a better coping mechanism. Or every time you're eating fast food, every time you're eating fast food, every time you're eating fast food, and you finally decide to change that habit. So you go to the shop, you buy your nuts, 
you buy your oatmeal, you buy your chicken breast, you buy all of that. And you come home, you put it in your fridge and you tell yourself, I'll meal prep tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes before you realize you are ordering fish and chips or you are ordering Chinese from uh, whichever Chinese or fish and chips oh, shop yes. or what's close to you. When you come and you realize what you've done, you don't feel so bad that you don't look at the things you bought in the fridge. You don't look at them and they go bad. You realize what you've done wasn't your plan, but you've done it anyways. That should rather push you to go open your fridge and meal prep. But it's usually the opposite for a lot of people when food guilt sets in. So if you dwell on food guilt, you might never ever be able to overcome unhealthy eating patterns. That's interesting because what I pick from now is I always felt guilty whenever I drank carbon, any carbonated drink because I try so hard. Then I have some favorites and then I, someone be like, oh, I'm giving you this. And I'm like, should I take it? Should I not take it? Or should I just <laughs> keep it? And then one time I've been there, I just, I just consume it. So I think I'm thinking, like, that, that's something very important, at least for me at this point. Somi, we missed you. Are you there? I am here. <laughs> oh, great, Somi. So um, what's your take on this? So I have very similar views to Soteria. Um, I don't actually believe in eliminating things completely from, from your diet or saying you can never have anything. I also have the same stance that everything fits as long as you fit it in in the right proportions. So of course, there are things that are more healthy for us than others. But I think that food is not just about health, it's also about enjoyment, it's also about getting people together, it's also about fun. Um, and so you should still be able to have these treats, um, as long as it's in moderation, and you understand that it's something that you enjoy occasionally, and it doesn't take, you know, make, make the forefront of your diet. So um, yeah, I totally agree with everything um, Terry said everything in moderation but don't try and give you don't don't do the all or nothing thing it can be in moderation but it shouldn't take the center stage of your diet so to you what's the moderate intake of carbonated see for everybody it's a little bit different um, okay. if you're talking about me specifically um i i enjoy eating whole foods more often than i enjoy i don't have a sweet tooth so where somebody else <laughs> Yeah, where somebody else will struggle with things like ice cream or, you know, sweets or chocolate. For me, those things don't really entice me. I am more a savory person. So if you give me plantain chips now, I'm that person that could eat a whole bucket if it's in front of me and I don't stop myself. So for me personally, with situations like that, I don't go and buy a whole big bucket that I know that I would have difficulty stopping. I will buy a small pack and I, I will only buy it when I really crave it. And, you know, I haven't had it in a long time. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I would, I would really like a bag of plantain crisp now. And, and when I have it, you know, it's exactly what Sotero says, when you haven't had something for a long time and you eventually get it, you savour it. And so by the time you finish eating, I finish eating the whole pack, I'm, I've satisfied my craving, I'm happy. And, and then I don't automatically feel like I need to eat it 
it again the next day because you know it, it's it, it's not something that I feel I need to eat every day. Um, so that I mean, everybody needs time to get to that point where they're able to have what they they really crave in small amounts without feeling that like they have to go overboard in the beginning stages. For some people, if you if you eat things that you crave, it might be it might open up a, a can of worms whereby you eat one pack and then you have to eat another pack and then you have to eat another pack and then you have to eat another pack if you're that person i would say it's, it's a good idea to first of all don't keep those things in your environment focus on trying to improve the quality of your diet when you get comfortable with that you know if you go out and those things are available maybe buy it when you're outside and enjoy it but don't bring it into your home and keep going until you get to a point whereby you're you're comfortable in yourself where you know you can have that thing in your environment and not feel like you have to finish the whole thing when you get there then have it in your home when you when you really crave it have a little have a little bit of it enjoy it move on and don't feel like you need to keep having it all the time but this things it's it's a process it's something that you have to work continuously on until you get until you get to that point whereby you can comfortably and confidently eat these things in moderation um without you know allowing them to take the center stage of your diet very well noted Somi. so since you have to go in a short while, I'm, I'm going to continue with you. So um, for me, I read wide. So before before the last the, the last research that was published about coffee, I think last year, that had a lot of people having a discussion about how, how it's difficult for us to believe the essence of research that we read, because for a long, for, for, for a long period of years, we've had, we've read from researched publications where it was taking coffee every single day is not good for you it overworks the kidney it does this it does that then we just received another publication from a highly researched publication from a renowned repeatable body and we're saying no coffee is actually good for you every single day so as much as we are talking to people about how they should eat what they shouldn't eat how they can balance it how they confuse certain things within their diet and how it's great not to entirely stop going on to a particular food that you may be addicted to and it helps with you knowing how to devise a means and how you're going to have it within your diet how are we going to make them believe what essentially what we are saying because they could read this today and then five years from now and say okay there's another research from another reputable body that says otherwise how are we going to get people past such um such disbelief because of certain things that they read on the internet okay thank you for that question so First of all, the one thing that I preach in my practice and even on Instagram and on all my social media is the fact that nutrition has to be personalized. Okay. What works for me is not going to work for the next person. Even if we're twins, we're not, we're probably not going to be able to eat in the exact same way and it will have the exact same effects on our body. No, we all have different genetic makeups. Make so what many people don't realize is that science research is not an absolute. It, it is not a hundred percent, whatever the results are, it doesn't mean hundred percent that's what, you know, the effect is. So when it comes to the, the whole science of coffee, for example, what I'm saying is that what you need to look at is 
who are the people who have been studied in in that particular um uh, experiment is it people from america is it is, has it been a mixed population is it people from europe is it people from africa who are the populations that have been studied how much coffee has been given to these people is it 500 milligrams is it 1000 milligrams is it 10 milligrams how frequently have they drank the coffee is it once a week is it every day is it three times a day is it four times a week all of these things have an effect on what the study's findings are and also the people who have been studied, are they otherwise healthy people? Do they have underlying conditions? What is the end point of the study? Are you trying to see whether that improves well-being? Are you trying to see whether that gives them more energy? Are you trying to see whether it improves their mental health? All of these things make it, they play a role in actually trying to decipher what the study of the what the, the study means. So you can't take those results and then you know extrapolate it to the whole public and say, oh, because this study says that people can drink coffee every day. That means I can drink coffee every day. If you're the person who drinks coffee and it gives you the shakes or you're highly unstable, you you can't, you wouldn't just go and drink coffee just because that study tells you to drink it. It's not good for you. So, you know, you shouldn't drink it. So I would say that, you know, interpretation of science is not for everybody. People need to learn to listen to the professionals and not always read headlines because headlines are meant to be sensationalized in the way they're written. It's to make you read the story. It's not necessarily telling you the ins and outs of the study. And even sometimes the journalists who write up science articles are not necessarily science literate. They don't necessarily understand what the, the, the study means and they're just interpreting, interpreting it in the way they understand. And then that tends to to mislead the public and they think that they should do this and they shouldn't do that. So when it comes to nutrition information, I think that the best thing for people to do is to stick to learning from professionals who actually understand what the science means and who the, the results are meant to, to, to be geared towards and how the layperson can actually implement it in their in their daily lifestyle. Okay. So listening to the media is not the best way to go. Um, once again, listen to the professionals and that will guide you as to what you should and shouldn't do. And also look for professionals that educate you in a way that is suited to your own personal lifestyle, your needs, you know, your history. That's going to be more beneficial to you than generic advice. Even the advice that is put out there for the public is geared towards the healthy population and not necessarily people who are, who are ill. So the amount of the daily recommended amount of vitamins and minerals is actually meant for healthy people not for sick people. Sick people tend to need more and they might not need some things. Some things might be, you know, harmful for one person. It's going to be beneficial for another person. So in general, nutrition needs to be personalized. I know I've gone all over the place, but hopefully I've answered your question. Somewhere. You've been great. You've been great, Somi. And then it's, it's so sad that you have to go, but thank you so much for joining us. It's been an amazing experience. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm sorry that I do have to go. I do have clients, but hopefully we can do this again um, another time. Definitely. Um, definitely. Even your short period has been very amazing. So definitely we can do that. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Bye. So Terry. Hi. So we may have forgotten you a bit, but no, we are still here. So um, you heard what Somi said on the essence of contradictory research studies. What's your take on yeah. this? Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent with what Somi said. Um, what I say is nutrition isn't black and white. Nutrition will never be black and white and nutrition can never be black and white. Nutrition um, is not black and white because it changes the same way science changes. So take this um, 
theory that people have believed for a very long time um, that says if you eat um, after eight or later on in the evening, you are going to gain weight. But recent studies show that that is not true. So how did we arrive at that conclusion? The first research was done in mice. It was done in rats. It wasn't oh. done in human beings. Interesting. And that's fine because as scientists, we cannot use human beings for every single experiment. So we have to use mice um, and other animals sometimes for certain research, especially when you don't know how that is going to um, the outcome. Is the person going to die? Is the person going to live? Is the person going to you don't know. So we use animals sometimes. So in a research like that, where humans were not used a couple of, not a couple, some years back, but now with studies that humans have been used, we have control groups, test groups, so many research coming up recently. That doesn't mean the research that was done a few years was bad or it was, it, was, it was flawed a bit. But as Somi said, every research has its target group. Every research has the people we're targeting or the people we want to conduct the research for. So um, if let's say I do a research about um, cassava or I do a research about, let me say rice, I do a research about rice and I use rice that is grown in Ghana, local rice. And I come up with um, a conclusion that says rice is the best food in the world. Mind you, that is not what I'm saying. This is just like an example. I come up with a conclusion that says rice is the best food in the world because rice contains maybe 5 million milligrams of calcium. And someone in Asia buys rice and eats rice because I'm saying rice is the best food for maybe your bones because it contains five milligrams of calcium. But probably the soil in Ghana has calcium in it and the soil in Asia doesn't have calcium in it. Does that make my research wrong? No, it doesn't. But my, my target group or the type of rice that I use then all of that, has been generalized. And one thing um, I, Somi has spoken a lot of this, so I'm going to end with this point. One thing she said that I want to reemphasize is, you know, when it comes to media, headlines sell. Um, a newspaper outline or a TV station or a blogger or somebody will put a headline out there that will catch your attention, right? And sometimes when you even go further to read, you realize that they have even put the link to where they got that extract from, like the actual article they got the extract from that they are saying rice is good or rice is bad. They have the article there. And if you want to do your due diligence and you go ahead and you read the article, you will realize that maybe this research was conducted in Africa, West Africa, Ghana, um, Ashanti region to be specific, Ejiso. 
And some researchers will even go ahead and put like the cardinal points of where exactly they did that research. So sometimes um, I always tell people Google is an amazing tool. Google has come to help all of us. But certain times, if you are not too smart, you can be feeding off um, information that has just, they have just extracted bits and pieces, you know, to sell, to sell the whole headline. And as always, science is evolving. Nutrition is a science. So it would forever change. It will forever evolve. We'll always discover new things. We'll always realize a research was flawed and all of that. But that's just how it is. We're not God. Scientists are not God. We can never be 100% accurate. That's so inspiring. Yeah, Your input has been very valuable and very exemplary. Thank you so much for education and then the nutrition development. But before you go, your final words on everything we've discussed. Yeah, so I really like this from what I've said and from what Sonia said. I hope whoever is going to listen to this podcast learns something, you know. First of all, with what we just talked about, nutrition is in black and white. Try and talk to a professional. Try and talk to someone who has adequate information about um, the topic or whatever it is you want information on after you've done your research. Even if you don't want to talk to somebody, don't stick to just one media outlet and you're done. Some media outlets can be trusted. Look for those media outlets that have a strong voice in the health community because for them, they would definitely reference the article or they will put the name of the researcher, the nutritionist, the dietitian, the doctor, whoever is saying what, they will put that information out there. So that's a way to cross-check your information. And also sometimes everything works for everybody, but that doesn't mean it will work for you. You know, when you take so many things, I'm looking for, let me use birth control, for example. Um, There's a birth control chart done by the John Hopkins that a lot of public health um, institutions in Ghana use the clinic, chip compounds and everything. And under every single birth control option, they would write, this doesn't guarantee 100% that you're not going to get pregnant. You will get 99.9, 99 99.7, 95, 90 this, 90 this. And they would states that the only way you can be absolutely sure you're not going to get pregnant is when you abstain. I'm tying this into nutrition and nutrition education and what do you do? That doesn't mean birth control doesn't work. Birth control works for so many people, but there's still going to be that one person out of a hundred, out of a thousand, out of a million, out of 10 million, that it will not work for them. That's the same way with nutrition information. Sometimes it didn't work for you, not because that nutrition information is a lie, but it didn't work for you because nutrition, that nutrition information just doesn't work for everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. And then um, my name is Randy. Let's meet on our next episode. Goodbye. And don't forget to follow the Future Farm Pod on our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.